Okay, ladies and gentlemen, on this episode of In The Fight, we have three-time Pro Bowler, NFL superstar, San Diego Chargers legend, and die-hard, lifelong fight fan, Sean Merriman on the show. Sean was honestly great to talk to, gave really insightful and thoughtful answers. He kind of explained like how he got interested in the fight game himself. He has his own fighting promotion, Lights Out Fighting, and... This was a blast, like as a kid from San Diego, California, and I say that 20 times on the podcast, but I tried to tell him, like, you don't understand. You're a legend. Like in my eyes, to my friend's eyes, I, I don't know if my friends have ever been more interested in a podcast than this one. So big deal, super fun, appreciative of the time, and I hope you guys enjoy it. So without further ado, on this episode of In The Fight, Sean Merriman. This is 1.37 p.m. Stories of hustle and grind from the intersection of culture, style, music, and sports. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Thursday, June 24th. It is 1.12 p.m. here in San Diego, California. And I have had the luxury of speaking with current champs, former champs, fight analysts, fight fans. I've dealt with it all. But I have yet to speak with a three-time Pro Bowler, a San Diego Chargers legend, I mean, born and raised San Diego myself, this is, my worlds are colliding right here. Joining me today on In The Fight, none other than Lights Out, Sean Merriman. Sean, thank you for the time, dude. You you will never understand what this means to me. That's awesome, man. Um, I'm glad you reached out to me and, and we finally got a chance to connect, man. So it's pretty cool. So, you know, this is a fight podcast I cover MMA extensively, boxing extensively. I do all that stuff every week. I've been recording now. Um, crap, this is month seven or eight of this podcast, right? And we've had on the who's who. It's been unbelievable. But from a personal side, right? I'm San Diego born and raised. My pops was a sports photographer here in San Diego. My dad's photos are hanging up in OGs across town. This is everything, right? I have grown up watching you perform more than even imaginable. So seriously, I know you do this stuff all the time, TV personality, fight promoter. These 20 minutes, though, are going to mean a lot more to me than you will ever understand. Dude, I mean, honestly, um, you know, sometimes I got to pinch myself, too, because, um, you know, obviously I played and stuff like that. But when you were tired, a lot of guys... Uh, they fade away and then people kind of forget um, what, you know, other players or whoever have done on the field or what they've done in the communities, you know, over time. And for me, it's it's been like shit, man. Like I, you know, I started playing last year, you know, some six months ago. Uh, so when I, when I go around town or I'm traveling around the country and, um, you know, people just come up to me, I see people doing the lights out dance across the street, man. Like for me, it's just, um, 
it's just kind of a surreal thing to still get that amount of support. Dude, no, for real though, like, you know, I'll tell my homies who I'm having on the guest before I announce whatever the podcast is. And I told them this week, like, yo, guys, I got like lights out on the show this week. I they've never freaked out as much as this, like in in the entirety of this podcast. So whatever it is, dude, you just struck a nerve with my friends in like the most perfect sense. So you mentioned the lights out dance, right? And born and raised San Diego, playing sports my whole life. Every fucking kid did the lights out dance at some point in their youth sports career, right? So I got to ask, what makes a good lights out dance versus like a weaker lights out dance? Like what are the nuances that you got to hit? Is it like the jump before? Is it the play itself? Or is it like the amount of switches on the light switch? Um, you know, you know, the funny part is I see people uh, doing it on the wrong arm. Sometimes I always think that's the funniest. They they do the left arm and they do this and without doing the, the right arm. Uh, so that's probably the weakest ones I see. But, uh, you know, all all in all, man, um, you know, when I when I first started playing football, the when I, my first NFL football game, I got a chance to see Ray Lewis play. And uh, this is my sophomore in high school back in Maryland. And my high school coach said, hey, if you want to see a linebacker, you know, come and come and watch one. And so we didn't have money. We didn't have jack shit at the time. And so we sat way up there, like four lights from the light bulbs, way at the top, right? But we watched that. I think it was that 2000 um, Ravens team where they had, you know, everybody. And they won a Super Bowl. I think they won a Super Bowl that year. Um, and all the players came out. And then Ray Lewis came out. And then just like everybody else feel when I did the Lights Out dance and when they were a kid, I saw Ray Lewis come out the tunnel last and that's when I knew I said, hold on, man, it's, you know, when you have the ability to fe- affect people this way, you got something. And I always kept in my mind, even as a kid, you know, my sophomore in high school, I was like, I, that, that's going to be me one day. And, and I just wanted to create something that would make people have that same feeling. Well, that's actually like a pretty good segue. Like, you know, you're talking about not only being a player, right? Like, uh, like square number one, rule number one you got to be able to fucking ball, right? Like right. you're not going anywhere if you can't play. But then once you've established that, right? Like once you get to the pros where everyone can play, right? Like this isn't high school anymore. This isn't college where there still might be a few weak links or whatever. Like by the time you get to the pros, it's all 1% of the 1%. What separates those guys is like that moxie, that edge, that kind of it deal. No one's done it better maybe than Ray Lewis in the history of sports. You, funny enough, kind of have that it thing. And, you know, we're here to talk about MMA or boxing or combat sports. No sport better resembles like the need for the it factor than combat sports because it's so much relying on entertainment. Is that, you think, a little bit of a connection to like why you love combat sports so much? Man, it, it's that's the reason why I got in it. You know, for uh, my sophomore, let me see, yeah, between 2005 and 2006, when I started training myself. So what happened was, um, you know, I grew up boxing, right? So my family, my uncles are professional boxers, and I came from Prince George's County, Maryland, where there were boxers in that Maryland, D.C., Virginia area from everywhere, right? There was, you know, there were champs from that area, and so we grew up boxing. It was just a natural thing. So MMA wasn't on the scene just yet, and it wasn't big on the East Coast. And I get drafted by the Chargers in 2005, and um, I met Jay Glazer in 2005 from, you know, the analyst at Fox Sports. Um, and 
he said, man, I want you to come out and try MMA because, you know, they help you out with football. So I said, what do you mean? Well, your hand-eye coordination, being able to open your hips and turn the corner around those big tackles. And if something was going to get me better in football, I'm showing up. Like, whatever is going to make me a better player, I'm showing up. And I remember walking into the gym one day, and the first person I see is Randy Couture. And so I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm thinking in my head, I didn't know if he wanted me to spar Randy Couture that day or not, but I wasn't about to have it. Uh, but anyway, what I found out about the sport is the discipline of it, right? So you go in and your, your stand-up could be good, but you're weak on the ground, you're weak, you know, your balance and everything else. You find out these little, because you walk in there as a big, strong, athletic, you know, freak, and you get in there and you find out a guy that's, you know, 50 or 60 pounds less than you can do something to you. And, and that intrigued me and say, okay, how, how can I um, be able to maneuver open my hips up and be flexible enough to do some of these things and learn the discipline of, of this sport. And that's, that's what got me hooked on it. Well, let's be real too. Like at some point in high school, football was easy for you. I'm not saying the pros were right, but like inherently dude through high school, through college, like you were naturally really gifted and fighting does not really care if you're that naturally gifted or whatever. It takes the hours, the work, the discipline, as you're talking about, so one of the things I, I really like to do on the podcast is, you know, we're the fight fans at home. We love watching on Saturday nights. We like drinking a beer. We like smoking a joint, eating pizza. Like, you know, we're watching it for fun and entertainment. But there's a lot of intensity and like small details that go into the fighting. So I wanted you, when we watch football, right, I'm just watching, I see the quarterback make a throw, like, I enjoy the game a ton, I watch 15 out of 16 weeks a year, but I don't understand what's going on at the line, you know what I mean, like, there are details that you're going to see way more than I would ever see, what make, like, what separates those top 1% rushers, the guys that get to the quarterback, what is it with the hands, what is it with the body positioning, the bend, as they explain, what do you think is that one small detail that the common Joe at home is missing when they see a great pass rusher? It's, you know what, it's repetition. It, everything is repetition. And, you know, you, you get enough hours. It's called 1,000, 5,000 hours, whatever it is. You're going to be good. You're going to be good at something, right? So, and this is why I always make the correlation between these two sports with football and MMA, um, because repetition, right? So you get in there, you start learning, 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 because what pass rush moves your first pass rush isn't going to work. You might come in and, and got a guy that's athletic and 6'5", Walter Jones, right, from Seattle, just, you know, 6'7", 350 pounds, and move like a tight end. So you're not getting around him. So you start – you got to set him up. You start got to start setting him up, you know, fake inside moves. get Because you, you only need that one, one or two big sacks to change the game, right? So you're not going to get a sack every single play against Walter Jones. And the same thing in, in MMA. You got to start setting guys up, you know, you know faking high and – and, and getting them to move their feet and, and just watch them. Start setting them up for a big punch. You know, if you're taking it back and, and you, you're in a certain position and, you you know, they start feeling your body and certain leverages and they want to get up, start setting him up. So the next time you try to get up, you go straight for that guillotine, right? Because he's he exposed his neck. And so, you know, when you look at just both sports, you say, okay, what, what can I take from over here and move this over here? And one, the first thing is um, – you know, is, is that repetition. Second thing is discipline, man. It's you, you have to be disciplined. And, and one thing about like what you just said and going to MMA, it will humble your ass. It will humble. I mean, I remember when I was, I was so bad on the ground and I had a, um, 
I had a kid that was 185, maybe 190 pounds. Mind you, I'm 265, right? So I got him by a good 70, 75 pounds, and I could not get up off of the ground. Well, he's a Division II uh, or Division I AA uh, wrestler. and stuff. I could not get off the ground, and I just I could not figure out why. And I was so frustrated, and I felt so defeated leaving that, leaving that day to the point where I was, I got his number and I was texting him in the morning. I said, dude, meet me back at the gym. And I just, I got so, you know, into it because I hate losing, right? I hate not learning. So what he did was he walked me up, walked me through the steps of getting up and not trying to get up on my feet before I'm out of harm's danger and stuff like that. So it just, it, it became one of these things where it's, it was just repetition and learning the sport and it's fun. So you've started the lights out extreme fighting and you know obviously covid is a setback for everyone right like and for a startup especially type deal like it's going to be incredibly difficult but you had a little bit of momentum before covid had hit and i don't know what the status is of the promotion but i'm kind of curious like if there was one guy from the early days of your playing career that you wish you could have seen compete in mma like a guy that you're like he was as disciplined as anyone I knew. He had the hands to do it. Is there a guy that you played with or played against that you're like, yeah, he, sh- he should have been a fighter? Um, You know, it's, it's funny because a lot of these guys are fighters. They just, you know, MMA wasn't paying enough back then, yeah. right? So you, you'd always have your guys from the SEC or Big Ten. It'll be hell of, uh, you know, great MMA fighters. Great. And, um, you know, so I, I always like Brian Cushing. I still talk, you know, Brian Cushing is hell of a, I think he trains jujitsu too. I think he's like a brown belt or something like that. Um, who else? You just got these monsters. I play with Lorenzo Neal. I think Lorenzo Neal would have been a hell of an MMA fighter because he can wrestle his ass off. He, I think he was a, a champion in college or something like that too. Low I'm, center of gravity too. Low center of gravity. I mean, he'll get you to the ground anytime he feels like it. So you have these guys, um, you know, I think Cromartie, you know, if, if he ever like took one to take it serious because he's just a freak, right? Just a freak of nature type of dude, long limbs, long legs, really thin, probably can fight it. You know, he probably can fight at one, you know, 180 or something like that, or 170, whatever that weight class is down there and just destroy people. So um, if you look across the board, man, there's, there's a ton of MMA fighters running around on the field making tackles that don't know they can fight. That's so interesting, man. It's just like, it's crazy what a sport can change, like how much a sport can change over 10, 15 years. Cause like during your playing career and I've talked about this, like MMA and UFC was not, it was like considered almost like extreme fighting. It was a joke. Like they didn't view it at all as like a discipline, a sport, a martial art. And now you're seeing it on ABC on Saturdays at, you know, noon almost. And so the sport has completely changed. Um, do you have any personal like fighters you enjoy watching or you've kind of followed their careers now? Uh, well, uh, one back of that, we're, we're back August 7th at the commerce casino. And yeah, we're back. And then our second trip, you guessed it, we'll be back down to San Diego to follow a month. We're going to announce a location. Good. But we'll maybe I, I would love to make my way over there. Absolutely. I got you. No problem. Take care. You come and check us out. Um, it's going to be a huge event, but we'll make announcements and I'll send the information there. Um, um, will the uh, Commerce Casino event have fans? Yes. yes. Beautiful. Congratulations. Um, at, at Commerce Casino, August 7th. Congratulations. That's monstrous, man. That's big. I, I also have a show coming out too, man, about athletes transitioning from other sports to MMA. 
You know, so we got a, uh, probably a basketball player, a couple of NFL guys, rugby, a couple of social media guys. But, you know, what's going to be a, a compelling is the stories and their journey and what happened after they got done playing, man. It's This is some serious, serious shit. And um, it, it's going to be great. Well, the, like, you know, there's they're cliches for a reason because they're overused, but that doesn't mean that it's not true. And one of the cliches about athletes is they die twice, right? Like the day their career ends and then the day they actually die. And providing like that segue or that transition is going to be super helpful for a lot of these guys. Um, can you tease us where the show is going to be? broadcasted or is it going to be it, it well it's something could be in the works um for sure we're still looking at well what, what was fox sports um western prime taking to fox sports san diego now now bali's right mm-hmm. um and so more than likely it'll be there but we have a, a bigger announcement probably coming here in the next you know three to four weeks um as far as streaming so we want everybody to be able to see this we know that we um we know we got a kick-ass league uh, we got some great stuff coming around the league. And, um, we, you know, what's, what's cool about it is all of our shows have been sold out. And we've, you know, turned away a few hundred people at the door. And, you know, we hold about 11 or 1,200. And so, you know, you, when you have 1,500, 1,600 people as a, as a, in our sense, a startup league coming, um, that means a lot. Because, you know, we like you said before, we were gaining a lot of momentum before the pandemic hit. And this time, and even though, I always try to find a positive in everything that happens, right? So the pandemic, we all got crushed. We all sitting around, jobs were lost, you're not making money, people depressed and anxiety and all this other stuff. And then, you know, you find a way to come out of it and you come out of it with a different mindset. You're a lot stronger than when you went in it. So now when lights out come around this time, it's going to look a lot different. Very exciting to hear. I mean, I think, you know, the... It, it, the pandemic was interesting one it, you know it did it, it brought all those negative repercussions and, and terrible things but it also did provide an opportunity for growth right if, if you took you took that window of time and you use it and said no i'm let's rebrand let's let's do it better let's do it bigger whatever it might be you were given that opportunity um it's kind of ironic man all of a sudden you have all these former athletes and stars now trying to get into the combat sports scene realizing the paydays that could be and like being honest dude you were ahead of all of that what what do you make of the transition where five years ago you're like dude i was i've been in this thing for so long and now all these guys are getting in what do you make of it um i always looked at myself man as a trailblazer sometimes you don't always get the credit for it and it's always a you know, when, you, when you're the first one to do something, I laugh about it now because it always happened. You're the one ridiculed, right? Like, oh, why? He's crazy for fighting. He's crazy yeah. for doing. And my my uh, my reasons for getting into just combat sports in general is because once you get done playing football, you'll talk to any player. The first thing they'll tell you is they missed the locker room. They miss being around the players. They miss the camaraderie. They miss the wins and losses and what happens after the game. About So you miss that first and foremost. So getting back into combat sports and having that discipline, you start to feel part of something again, right? You feel it alive because you compete. Mind you, most of us have been playing football or sports in general since we were nine or 10 years old. And then one day somebody walked down and tell you, you know, you're cut from a roster or team and then that's it. You're done. Now you got to go out to the real world and see how it is and not be a part of a group, Right. Um, and so getting back into the sports, so that's one thing, but two, I, I probably should have fought three or four different times. Now I just, you know, for, for me, um, you know, with everything that I've had on the table, it has, it has to be worth it. Right. 
Um, because it's not the fight. The fight I actually enjoy. I mean, if somebody wanted to fight tomorrow, I, the fight is no problem. It's the the training for it, right? Because you, you know you got to sit, sit yourself down for eight to ten weeks and be dedicated when you're training. You know, at least once, maybe even sometimes twice a day, and it's an all day thing, uh, and that's your only focus. So for me to walk away from everything that that I've been, Dana's offered me, Dana White's offered me to come fight. I mean, Scott Coker, we, I've talked to them over at Bellator a long time ago, and you know, it's it's been there. Um, I almost had the, the bare knuckle fight that was in 2018 of the crappy organization and ended up shutting down and not paying the fighters, which I, I'm glad I never fought. Um, so it's it's always been around. But, man, I just I just came from um, Extreme Patrol right now. You know, I just I'm in there with the guys, man. I love uh, the fighter spirit. I love these guys give me energy um, and they make me want to go, man. I, it, it makes me go with everything else I got going on. I like to get after it. That's badass. Sean, uh, that's, you know, 19 minutes on the dot. I, I wanted to tell you one last thing back in like 2011. Um, I was a youngster and I was on Twitter and you guys were doing a giveaway for a t-shirt. I won the giveaway and on God, I'm no bullshit. I'm not making this up. I, I swear it was one of the most comfortable workout shirts I've ever had in my life. I like the fact that I still remember it to this day is bizarre because it was just a white t-shirt with an orange lights out logo Winning it, wearing it, people saying, knowing what lights out was and meant. It was, dude, I, it's a, you're an interesting part of culture here in San Diego, man. We're, we're appreciative. We're thankful of all the time and energy that you've given us. So I want to give you, you know, 30 seconds, whatever you want to say, it's, it's the floor is yours, my guy. Well, you know, for one, San Diego will always be my home. You know, when I'm, when I'm done running around and growing leagues and businesses and everything else like that, I'm going, I'm going to plant. Plant my ass in San Diego. That's all. That always be home. Uh, second thing is August seventh uh, at the Commerce Casino. Um, you guys get ticket at LightsOutXF.com. Uh, I think we're going to finally start updating the site. It's been down, you know, for the past several months because we haven't had any events. But LightsOutXF.com. But also, I'll be posting on my on my social media. It's at Sean Merriman on Twitter and in uh, Instagram and also TikTok. Sean Merriman. Uh, so yeah, just just keep following. I'm. Uh, we're going to be posting some dates soon and getting this thing back going, but we got a big surprise coming up for people. And um, I can't wait to announce some of these former athletes that's going to get after. Let's go, Sean. Thank you very much for the time, brother. Appreciate it. Tons and tons more than you'll ever understand or know. Seriously. Thank you. Uh, Take it easy, brother. You got it, man. Same here. Appreciate you for having me. And that is a wrap for this episode of In The Fight. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you to Sean Merriman for the time. Lights out an absolute San Diego sports legend, NFL superstar, three-time pro bowler. Those are some accolades right there. Uh, Lifelong fight fan and an absolute joy to talk to. Sean, thank you for the time, brother. Thank you guys for tuning in. That one is a wrap. Looking forward to the next episode of In The Fight. This is 1.37 p.m. Own your future. Start this minute. 1.37 p.m. is a Gallery Media Group original production.